Welcome to the One Degree Shift Podcast, where we learn the little changes that future-proof some of our favorite companies and teams. Here's your host, Eric Termundi. Kathy Caprino, we've been connected for a couple of years now from great friends, Seth and Kristen, and I've been an absolute fan of yours ever since we first said hello. Thank you so much for joining the One Degree Shift podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored and so excited. I love the focus of this and, and I can't wait to dive in. Can you tell us a little bit more or a little bit about yourself, what you're working on, and ultimately how we got to be having this conversation today? Okay, so briefly, I am a career and leadership coach. I'm a senior Forbes contributor now and and an author writing a second book. And I do a lot of speaking as well, all about, well, right now it's focused on closing your power gaps and becoming kind of the most powerful version of you so you can build the career that you long for. And what that translates into is having the life you dream of as well. That's what I'm doing now. For anyone who's ever followed anything I've ever done, I had an 18-year corporate career that, yeah, there were some good moments and some good years, but it ended badly, so badly. And I was really a broken person in many, many ways after that. I got laid off after 9-11. So it's been all these years of becoming a therapist and then moving to coaching and learning, Eric, so many lessons along the way, so many hard lessons that were challenging for me. And, and I realize now that they're challenging for thousands of other people. So that's how I got here. A lot of mistakes and then learning from those. The listeners know that there's clearly not that much to talk about here with uh, your history. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, let's talk yeah. first about, yeah, that's right. Let's talk about what a power gap is. Can, can you tell me about what what is this? Oh, I'd love to. So in doing all this work and working with over 15,000 people in 14 years, what I began, you know, it's all about stepping back and we're going to talk about what that does for you. But in stepping back and looking at what do they come to me for and what is it that I'm helping them get? What am I giving them? It's two things becoming more brave. I call it finding brave. But what is the ultimate outcome? It's power. So, Eric, Everybody who comes to me who wants a change is experiencing what I call a power gap. And the seven of them are quickly, I can't recognize my own talents. I communicate from fear, not strength. I can't ask for what I deserve. I isolate from influential support. I acquiesce instead of saying stop to mistreatment. I've lost sight of my most thrilling dream and I can't, I can't get over my past, basically. So I just did a survey. So, you know, qualitatively, I felt like everybody I ever met had one of these gaps. I just did a survey. 500 people have taken it over 500. 98% of the survey respondents are having at least one gap and 75% are having three or more at the same time. So the gap means it energy and confidence and self-esteem are just getting sucked out, kind of like a little groove in the road, a hole, a, a crack in the road where, if, you know, energy is just getting sucked out. And we have to close that gap because if we're not powerful, we can't do what we want to do in the world, period. So many women say, I don't want to be powerful. And I say, why not? And they say, because power has been abused. So there has to be education mm -hmm. about the kind of power we need to do what we want to do in the world. Is there a difference between power and potential? I think so. I think if you, you can't reach your potential without power, I think they're very different. Power is the ability to, not power over, but power mm -hmm. to, power to create, mm -hmm. power to speak up, power to ask. All of this takes power. You can't fulfill your potential if you don't have that internal 
power and, and access to external power. We need that, I think. Sure. Yeah, thank you for that clarification. Mm-hmm. When you look at the survey, by the way, I'm one of the 98%, perhaps, if not oh, one cool. of them. Oh, neat. And thank you for taking it. I'm just trying to choose, you know, which is the yeah. most. I think, you know, if I were to say the vast majority of us experience that, that clearly in, in your research is, is true. Are you finding that there's a root cause for this power gap? Is there something that inherently we believe or, or we don't believe about ourselves that is, that is the primary cause of it? I love this question. So quickly, I want to answer a question that underlies that. If you ask me what did I think the biggest gap would be, there's no question. It's I don't recognize my special gifts and talents. And I believe mm-hmm. that's every man and every woman. I think mm-hmm. even when I first met you, I think we're humble. Many of us are, well, some are narcissists, but I think you and I don't tend to recognize what we're amazing at. So that's the one I think everyone has. When they self-report, it was losing sight of my thrilling dream for the future. So many said, if I had to pick one that's the most troubling for me, it's that one. So to answer your question, I think the not recognizing your talents, I think women struggle with that more and it's how we're raised and how we're socialized and the gender, you know, roles we have. We're not supposed to talk about ourselves. We're not supposed to put ourselves forward. We're not supposed to say, I did this. So a lot of that is social training and cultural training. The losing sight of your thrilling dream, that's what happens in life. We are, (laughs) it makes me cry. It really does. Um, we're taught that, in fact, uh, my son mentioned she, he saw Mark Cuban say, pursuing your passion is the dumbest idea if you want to be wealthy. It's stupid. Wow, I don't agree with that. Yes, if you want to make money and pursue your passion, you have to do it wisely, not unwisely. But I think so many people lose sight of their thrilling dream because they're taught you have to make six figures or seven figures in your own business. You have to, it has to look this way. You can't pursue your passion. And we also are not taught how to leverage what we're great at and make money at it. We're not taught that. And that's Mm -hmm. why at 40, people have lost sight of all the dreams they had when they were 20. Now, you've made, you know, you alluded to your corporate history, to 9-11, to being laid off after, to having a, a terrible experience, to transitioning to what... I would view as you being absolutely powerful, you changing the world, working with 15,000 women, writing now, which will be your third book, TEDx, just an incredible, an incredible career. What was it for you that you saw in yourself that enabled you to give yourself permission to be going down the path that you're going now? So I'd say if I really broke it, distilled it down, there were maybe two distinct phases. One, and I think we've talked about this, but it was after being laid off. And truthfully, I got a settlement for, and I'm writing about that in the book, which is scary to me to really come forward because I'm not supposed to be talking about it. But a few weeks after being laid off and crying, just you know, chronically ill, depressed, so lost, and my therapist saying, I know from where you sit this is the worst crisis you've ever faced. But from where I sit, it's the first moment you can choose who you want to be in the world. Now, who do you want to be? And most people who are lost cannot answer that question. Uh, You know, my mind just went blank and I said, I don't know, but I want to be you. And he laughed and I laughed through my tears. And he goes, what does that mean to you? Which is such a great coaching question. And I said, I want to help 
people not hurt people and be hurt. So that was October after 9-11. I'll never forget it as long as I live. That was the clarity. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. I can't do this one more minute. And that's the breakdown moment that leads to breakthrough. And he said, I think you'd be a great therapist. Have you ever thought of it? I've known you for two years. And that one comment put me Mm -hmm. on the path to becoming a therapist, which changed everything, much more than coaching, Um, working with rape, incest, pedophilia, suicidality, drug addiction, sitting with the darkest experiences of, of human life, and learning how to have love for a pedophile sitting there. That just changed everything for me because I was this little yeah, sheltered girl from Schenectady, New York. What did I know about all this stuff? So that was the first really cataclysmic shift. And then moving into coaching because career coaching was really where my heart was at. Um, we were talking a little before. I think how I've done what I've done in any way you can measure it or look at it is all these years, I'm 59 now, Eric. I'm old. No, I'm not old. I don't believe I'm old. Take it back. I'm wise. Let's put it that way. I've experienced so many times not believing that I knew something, not believing what my intuition is saying. So partnering with people that felt wrong, but they were wealthy or they seemed some other expert thinks they're an expert. I made so many of these mistakes. And even now, I don't run my business the way people would tell me to run it. For instance, I'm really engaged. I write to everybody who writes to me, almost everybody. And that can have its downsides, but I have decided to do it the way I want to do it and show up the way I want to show up, even though it's very different from how people advise me to do it. So it's taken me all those years to, you know, once I found the passion, how to run a business and do what I want in a way that makes me feel authentic, proud. So those were the two cataclysmic shifts, I'd say. And as we look at the life that you're creating now, I believe that those who give themselves mental, emotional time and space to make decisions that are right for them based on the environment that they're living in at this given time are the ones that will be able to create the best future for themselves. And and before we got on the podcast today, you were telling me about a trip that you went on this summer in, in Italy where you disconnected. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit more about what disconnection did for you and how you're able to come back home with maybe a new perspective, with perhaps a one degree shift in how you approach things? Yes, I'd love to talk to you about that. So I just wrote a Forbes post about it and did a solo podcast about it because it was huge. So one of my challenges is I don't disconnect. And to your point, we need to break the patterns of who we think we are, the habitual patterns that keep us stuck. But we can't do that if there's no space, if there's no time, if you can't feel your heart, you can't feel your, how your body feels. And this is what's, what's the problem with social media and constant engagement. We have lost connection with ourselves. So what Italy did, I agonized, should I bring my laptop because I wasn't done with the manuscript of my book? And I said, well, you're going to have downtime in the airport. You're going to do it. I brought the darn thing. I decided I'm not opening this because it's going to disturb my ability to be present in Italy, singing in four cities and enjoying this. And But when I came back, Eric, to be honest, it did a few things. First of all, I'll be so transparent. When I came back that next day and turned on the computer and saw the sheer volume of what I tend to accomplish 
in a 10-day period. I almost wanted to cry because I had found this new rhythm in Italy where I ate when I wanted to and I just saw things and experienced people and there was so much flow. And when I got back to my desk and, and there were you know hundreds of emails I had to respond to, I realized then and there how much of a perfectionistic overfunctioner I still am, that mm. I still do too much. I still don't delegate as much as I should. I still take on too much. And so right then and there, I said, if you, it was so jarring to feel it, the difference that I immediately said, you're not going to repeat this. So I've delegated more to my team. I'm going to hire more help. So that was one thing. The second thing is I realized the tough conversations I'd been avoiding that I need to have. Mm. This, you know, and I talk about most of us want to be perceived as nice, but nice can be weak. Nice can mean mm. you're not saying what you have to say. You're not firing who you need to fire. You're not building boundaries that you need. So it was clear to me where I have to stop being weak. And the third thing was I saw how much healthier I was on this 10-day unplugged trip. Mm -hmm. healthier and frankly, joyful. Now, I love my work and it's passion, but everyone knows your passion can just uh, suck the life out of you if you're not careful, if you don't have boundaries sure. around it. So I decided I love tennis. I decided I'm, I signed up for a weekly clinic because it makes me happy. And so right. I'm do, immediately doing things to, to make me healthier and more joyful. I love what you said because what comes up for me is still your self-awareness and your ability to reflect or be introspective uh, around what you felt when you turned your computer on. Now, mm. for the listener who has 120 emails in their inbox, five voicemails that they still got to get to, a meeting at the top of the hour that they're running to, what would you say to them to be more aware of being in tune with health on a physical and emotional, on a mental level? Because again, if I can commend you for being aware of how you felt as opposed to just frantically attacking those emails, getting through them and continuing life because you've been on a holiday and now you're back to real life again, what would you suggest, what would you say to, to listeners on how to be more aware of, of what they're feeling? Yeah, I love this question. So, you know, having been trained as a therapist, which is hard for my family and other people, because, you know, I'm always therapizing, what is 50%, if I'm 50% of the problem, how do I shift it? But what I'd ask everybody to do, when you have a task like that, you turn on your computer, there's 150 emails that you feel you have to respond to. I would not respond. I would take three deep breaths down to your toes and I would not do anything but peruse them. And then mm. I would ask your higher self. It sounds spiritual. It is spiritual. It's not a religious concept. It's, I mm -hmm. believe there is a higher self aspect that is, has more connection to wisdom, to, to power, to growth than our ego does. So rather than what the ego says you've got to do, breathe and say, which one of these do I want to answer? And you know what? If you follow that, like, you know, we talked earlier earlier. I've knee-jerked some decisions. I think I want to uh, uh, partner with this person and it's been a disaster. So mm -hmm. sometimes the knee-jerk is not your intuition. It's, you know what it is? It can often be desperation to do something and someone appears in your life and you think it's a miracle when in fact it's, it's supposed to be a decision that you walk away from that. So it's not overly attaching to the outcome, but using your higher self to say, what is it that I want to focus on today? 
I've got 150, mm-hmm. 150 hours to fit into 10 hours. What are my priorities from my heart? And people mm-hmm. are going to say, Mark Cuban, oh, bull crap. Your heart isn't going to make you money. I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think when I follow what the heart says it wants to do, I actually produce better content. I produce better selling things. The only thing I would ask you to be aware of is that you need boundaries to make this work. So in other words, if you've got five different directions that you're pursuing, I think what you need to do is engage your heart and your soul and your mind and say, what is it that I really need to focus on in this short term that's going to give me the biggest gain in the direction that I want gain in? So for Mm -hmm. some, that's money. Look, I need a passive income program so that I can keep doing the other uh, mentoring work I'm doing. Well, then that's your Mm -hmm. focus. So it, it's also being brave enough to decide what is the folk, what is the priority here that's going to give the biggest gain in mm-hmm. your heart, I think. As a final question, is there any tip that you would have to be more in tune with your heart to be able to listen to it more effectively? Yeah. Let me give it to you in a sentence. I think that actually most of us don't believe we should listen to it at all. And so I think we've we've turned it off. So what I'd say to do is, how about this simple exercise? This weekend, go separate yourself from your phone and from other people and take a white pad and go somewhere. I love nature. That supports me. That nourishes me. Figure out a place where there's no one around that, that nourishes you. And take three deep breaths and write down, what is it? I think, you know, you talked about long-term and and short-term. I do think knowing ultimately who you want to be in the world is helpful. Like for me, yes, I want to be a best-selling author. Yes, I want to affect a million people in the world. Knowing that helps me actually focus on, okay, if that's what you want, what do you need to get there? And then just start writing. What does my heart want versus what my mind wants? You know, mm-hmm. draw, draw two columns, what the heart wants, what the mind says I have to have, and then see where they can be married. I mean, if, if you pursue only what your, your heart wants and your mind isn't behind it, your, you know, what your rational thinking, it's not going to succeed. So see where they can come together. I mean, if I did that today, I think what it would tell me is there's, wow, this just popped into my mind. There's one program that I think I have to let go of, that the people mm. in it love it, but it doesn't, it doesn't feed me. I mm-hmm. think I might have to let that go. And I'm launching a new one, Closure Power Gaps. That feeds my heart because mm-hmm. I think there's so much we need to know about power that we're scared to know. So right there, I did the exercise on my, my own and I <laughs> hadn't really admitted that I wanted to end this other program. There you go. <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing that with me as I prepare my white little pad of paper and my sharpened pencil (laughs) to see what I can discover as well. Um, Kathy, we're going to have uh, some links in the show notes, but you've got something exciting coming up here. Can you share it with the group? Oh, thank you. So two things. I do have a, a course that I adore, The Amazing Career Project, and the it's 16 weeks. It's a career growth course, but it's the 16 steps I feel everyone needs to make if they want to have an amazing career on their terms, not my terms. And that uh, the fall session of that starts October 1st, so there's an enrollment period that's happening now. And I'm launching this new program, as I said, Close Your Power Gaps. It's a year-long program about 
what are these gaps? How do we how do we have them and how do we overcome them? And that's going to be launching in October. And you can learn all about that at kathycaprino.com. Kathy, you are incredible. Thank you so much Thank for your you. time today. And I can't wait to continue following along and working on closing my power gap as well. Thank you for having me. And I loved your questions. I'm really honored. Can't wait to watch all your developments unfold, Eric. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. For more podcasts, show notes, and to connect with our speaker today, visit erictermundi.com. That's E-R-I-C-T-E-R-M-U-E-N-D-E.com. And click the podcast tab. Thanks for listening.